Welcome to So You Want to Be a Copywriter, brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, the world's leading centre for writing courses. Your host is Bernadette Schwert, who you'll find at copyschool.com, and you can find out more about all our copywriting courses at copywritingcourses.com.au. Now, over to Bernadette. Let's talk about email marketing. Email is not dead. Never was, never will be. In this podcast, I take a look at how to prepare a welcome sequence so that you can kickstart your email automations, communicate easily with prospects, and turn casual visitors into paying customers. Hello, I'm Bernadette Schwert, and I'm the founder of the Australian School of Copywriting and the head copywriting tutor at the Australian Writers' Centre. I worked in direct marketing in the 80s when we were affectionately known as envelope stuffers. Yes, well, things have come a long way since then, and marketing is exponentially more complicated. But underpinning all great marketing is one thing, the list, the database, your audience. So how do you get more people on the list? How do you keep them there? And how do you make them buy from you? Well, if you'd like to learn how to write great emails and other long-form copy, check out our courses at copyschool.com and writerscentre.com.au forward slash essentials. Ellen took our course and here's what she said. I've always wanted a system for writing copy and this course delivered in spades. I can now sit down and know exactly what I have to do and can write quickly and efficiently. It's changed the way I write copy. I can't imagine going back to my old way. Thank you, Bernadette, for a great course. Well, thank you, Ellen, for doing the course. I hope it's been valuable to you. Now, we know that marketing can get complicated really quickly. When you add copywriting to it, the level of complexity doubles. So what I'd like to do in this podcast is take you through the ultimate checklist of how to prepare and write an email campaign so that no matter what level of knowledge you have, or what level of sophistication you're working to, you'll be able to launch an email campaign with ease and confidence. So let's start with the basics and look at the key elements of all successful email campaigns. Clients often ask me, Bernadette, I haven't sent anything to my database for ages. I'm embarrassed to admit it. Life got in the way and now it feels like it's gone on for too long to send them something because it feels really weird. What do I do? Well, my advice is just send something. Be honest. So it's been a while. Don't go into the why too much. They really probably don't care and probably won't have noticed anyway. I had an email from a lady who clearly had a lot of upheaval in her life and she talked about the divorce that she'd been through and that was why she hadn't been in touch with her audience. And I thought, oh, I'm not sure I need to know all that. You know, it was kind of a nice personal gesture, I guess, but um, I didn't know it had been that long since she contacted me. So, you know, don't linger too long in that area of why you haven't been in touch, but maybe just get on with it and say, look, here's a great resource that might be useful for you. And then you can just, you know, give it, don't don't sell too much. Don't be too hardcore in terms of what you want from that reader. Just give them something nice that's valuable and helpful and then move on from there. Once you've sent that first one out, the rest will get a lot easier. It's just getting on back on the horse, so to speak. So the welcome sequence, it could be a three-part series. It could be five-part. It could be 20-part. It doesn't really matter. But let's just keep it really simple. It would be, for example, you've got 
say, uh, an offer on your website, which could be, you know, download for us. It's like a checklist or it's a rate card. And once they get the rate card, then, then they've requested it. Then they go into your little email list, which says now they're on that system. They're going to receive three welcome emails to say, thank you for downloading the rate card. Number two would be, you know, here's a lot of uh, questions people have with regards to setting their prices and you might answer those questions. And then email three might be a little bit of background about who you are or, you know, a little bit of background to the business as to why you do what you do. So that could be just a really simple welcome sequence. Again, it would depend on what you do. And then maybe the fourth email is more around what can we sell you? You know, what can we actually ask you to uh, to engage with us so that we can do business together? And then you might start again, three more value drops and then one more um, request for for doing business with them. So if you think about the ratio of value to sales, it would be maybe three to one, you know, three values, one request to do business with you. So let me take you through what an email could look like. So what I want to share with you is basically the elements that go into making an email successful. Now, there are so many variations with emails. There's newsletters and there's, you know, welcome sequences, there's replenishment sequences, there's abandoned cart emails, there's dozens and dozens of types of emails. But I'm just going to share with you just the basic kind of newsletter style um, so that you can get an understanding of what that email needs to cover so that when you do get your first one, you know, off, you... um you know what you're doing. So first up, have a think. The from, who is the email going to be from? This is super important because people determine if they're going to open the email based on who it's from. Um, So whether it's from you personally, whether it's from someone in your company, whether it's from the company itself, do have a think as to what name actually shows up in the inbox so that that person who receives it can make a decision as to whether it's going to be relevant to them or not. Number two, think about the subject line. This out of all the pieces of content in the email is probably the most important because once you've looked at the from, then you look at the subject line to see what it's about. And it needs to be quite short, obviously, or else it just sort of gets cut off. So you do need to think about having it fairly concise and precise and summing up exactly what the benefit is of them opening up that email. Thirdly, there's a thing called pre-header or preview text or Johnson box, as it's called for some strange reason, and they all do the same thing. But basically, it's a little bit of extra text that you can add pretty much to your subject line. It kind of comes under your subject line in the inbox. And it's just a nice little way to increase the, the extra word count so that if people read the first subject line and then they get to read the preheader, they can go, oh, that's actually really interesting for me. So it's just another little win to get a bit more content um, for that reader to decide if they're going to open your email or not. All these have character counts, so do observe those as well. Now, let's assume someone's opened up your email. Bingo, right? Job done to some degree. And they're the next step is to think, okay, well, how can we keep them engaged? So a few things need to happen. And again, please use this as a general guide. This does not apply all the time. But first up, your logo. You know, people want to know who is the brand that they're receiving this from. And therefore, you might have an image of some sort, depending on what you're selling. Like if you're selling jeans or shoes, 
bags, earrings, obviously images are going to play a very important role. If you are selling something that's more service-oriented and images are not needed, you might like to go down the plain text route, right? So it does depend on what you're selling as to what kind of email you send. Uh, just know with the emails, with images, because there's a bit of coding in the back end, the opportunity for the email to be uh, triggering the spam filter is increased. So you do need to take that into account. If you can get away with our images and just use plain text, it's more likely to get through because you think about what you might send to your friends or your, your partner or your mum or whatever it might be. It's just basically plain text. And therefore, you know, the, the spam filters are not going to be triggered as easily. Next, let's think about the headline. Now, again, depending on the kind of um, email that you're sending, you might have a, a high there Bernadette personalization and or you may not you might just go straight into you know what it is we're actually doing here so that's where the headline could come into it but just if you do have a personalization opportunity do use it because it's shown to increase response rates dramatically and it makes sense you know we all love to see our name in print now with the headlines there's always an opportunity to use a headline formula it could be a how-to formula a secrets of it could be attention formula three mistakes people make whatever it is try and keep a benefit in the headline try and use that headline to solve a problem because when they see that problem of theirs in front of them, they go, wow, that's something I really need resolved. And with the how-to in front of it, it feels like it's going to be resolved in this email. So it just makes them more likely to read on. Then you think about your body copy. Let's just think about them in blocks. And often that first line is really hard to, to get started with, right? So again, you can use formulas. Uh, I use them all the time. They're called opening phrases. It's, it's no secret that um, the truth is, let's face it, uh, there's never been a better time in today's competitive economy. You know, there's a whole range of templates that you can use to kick off that opening statement so that you can actually get to the nub of it. What I like about those particular phrases, like it's no secret that or the truth is, or let's face it, what it forces you to do as a writer is it forces you to actually identify what is the universal truth here that we all know to be true. So, for example, it's no secret that there's lots of copywriters out there, full stop, right? We know this to be true. And the person reading says, yeah, that's always been my concern. There's a lot of copywriters out there. And then you might go into, but lots of them don't have an online presence. That's why you need a website. Let me help you build your website, right? So it could be going into the solution as to how we get over that particular problem that we've all agreed is universally, you know, the case. And the beauty of that universal truth at the very beginning is it kind of builds rapport with the reader quite quickly because they're thinking that's my experience as well so therefore the likelihood of them having a little bit of a nod a little bit of a yes and reading on is increased so then you might do that as paragraph one and then paragraph two uh, states with another headline formula this could be a subhead so it maybe doesn't have the same size it could be something a little bit smaller but then you might be thinking okay well what do we put in this email? And people often get stuck. It's like my, my advice is just answer some FAQs. Uh, for example, the first one is, well, how do you build an online presence? So you, you answer that a little bit. The second question they have is, 
um, you know, where do I find a web developer? So you might answer those questions. The third one might be, what should I pay for a web developer? And you answer those questions. And before you know it, you've answered a series of questions that the reader has about building an online presence. And they're feeling really empowered now. They're feeling like, wow, the thing that I thought I couldn't do, which is create a point of difference with copywriters, I now can. You know, this, this email has been very, very helpful to me. So you might work your way down there. You might have a couple of images along the way. And just remember with images, from a screen reader point of view and vision impaired point of view, if you can name it with an alt text, it means just uh, give that photograph a really clear file name so that the screen reader can actually read it out. Uh, so rather than it being called, you know, dpgf.1.89, it might say Eiffel Tower Paris, you know, or green shoes. So therefore, the screen reader can understand uh, what actually is in the photo. All these things kind of help from building your sender reputation. And then at some point, you're going to need a call to action. And the general rule of thumb, again, depending on how long your email is, is that you have maybe one or two major calls to action. You don't have like five different ones. You try and keep them reasonably consistent. So on this occasion, it might be something like download our list of web developers that we recommend, or it might be download um, the, the quote that you might want to um, you know, send to your web developer as the form of your brief. So you basically give something that's useful. It might be read the full blog, you know, about how Cassie, set up her website, you know, and some of the mistakes that she made. So you might link them back to the website. And ideally, that's what you do want to do is get them to the website, because that's what the email is designed to do. It's basically a bridge between the outside world and your website, or whatever other, you know, portal you want to send them to. But, you know, always thinking the, the email doesn't just operate in isolation, it needs to direct people to go somewhere else. And ideally, that would be the website or some other, you know, portal that you own. So therefore, the headline number three could be yet another FAQ. Headline number four, another FAQ. So when in doubt, rather than stress over it or not send anything at all, just answer the most basic FAQs that you think your audience have about this particular topic. And as I said, the, the call to action is, you know, maybe one or two, but try and keep them um, generally consistent in terms of what you want the, uh, the reader to actually complete. Now, just moving right down to the end of the email, now that email could be 200 words, it could be a thousand words, you know, there is no right length. I've seen amazing emails which are three lines and it got me to click through. And I've seen emails that are 2,000 words and it's got me to click through. You know, so it's not about the length. It's about what is the purpose of the email? What do you want them to do? And how quickly can you get them to do that? And then hopefully you send them on their way to that particular page. Now, moving down in terms of what happens at the end of the email, because a lot of people kind of forget this. Um, and they, they kind of just sign off. But what you do need to think about is you want to add your social icons so that, you know, people can share that email very quickly and easily with their, their own database so that you're actually, you know, building up your database as you go. But you must include things like an unsubscribe button. And the reason that's important is because legally, you know, we want to be compliant with the Spam Act. We're going to make it easy for people to unsubscribe. 
But also if people get things and they don't really want to be on your list, we do want them to actually unsubscribe because having them on our list and then not engaging with our content, it drags down our sender reputation. It reduces the um, the, the sort of the metrics that they're we used, you know, in order to um, get the next email opened. So it's kind of a good thing to have people off the list. So at some point you might think about sending an email to your database saying, is it time for us to part ways? You know, is it was it something I said? Or whatever those those headlines might be just to get people to pay attention to actually unsubscribe. And as sort of heartbreaking as it might be to think people don't want you anymore, it's better that they are off your list because I said for the reasons it does drag down your sender reputation and it does impact the open rates for future emails. So do give people that opportunity. Do make it easy for them to unsubscribe as well. Uh, one company that's quite famous um, who got pinged for this particular issue, they made it so difficult for their subscribers to unsubscribe that even though it was technically you know, an opportunity to unsubscribe, you had to jump through a whole bunch of hoops just to unsubscribe. And that's not what we want. We don't want our subscribers to have that kind of effort. Uh, one situation I found myself in, I was no longer needing the services of this particular company. And I actually had to log in to unsubscribe. And I hadn't even remembered my logins because I hadn't used them for so long. So it became this loop from hell, you know, where every time I tried to unsubscribe, I had to find these logins and, and so on and so forth. So it just became so annoying. My feeling about the company was impacted because I thought if you'd let me just go, I would have felt good about you. But now I'm feeling really antagonistic because I can't get out of your loop. So these are the kinds of things that we do want to make it easy for our readers to um to get um, yeah, off our list. The other thing you, you might want to consider in your footer, which is what most people forget about footers, but they are important, is to put in some trust badges. So for example, it could be the you know address that you you have if it's you know public you don't want to put your home address necessarily and it might be a phone number that gives people a sense of easily able to be contacted um, it might be some awards that you've won or it might be some accreditations that you have it might be um, some logos with regards to the QA or whatever it is that you think um, your readers need to understand that you are a reputable organisation because you have to assume that they don't know you. You know, that's kind of the bottom line is they don't know who you are. They don't know how you're different to the others. And by having those things like the phone number, the address, the trust badges, the icons, the, the logos, whatever it might be, it makes that reader feel they're legitimate. You know, if I'm about to buy a pair of jeans from this company, give them my credit card, then I need to feel that that credit card is going to be handled safely and that they're not going to abuse that goodwill. So all these opportunities to just reinforce that you're reputable, you've been around for a long time, you know what you're doing, you've got great results, you've got great reviews, it just reduces the risk that that person feels in terms of giving you their credit card. Uh, things like ABN, you know, it might be anything to do with legitimacy around, you know, how you operate in this particular world. So, look, there's a couple of ideas as to how you can build your or construct your email so that when you go down to write it, you have this what I call a container in the sense that when a client says to me, can you write this for me? My first question to them is, well, what's the word count? And if we can't come up with a word count, I really can't progress 
because that gives me the container or the edges, as I call it. And it just enables me to think, okay, if we've got a 500-word email and I want to answer, answer five questions, that means each of those questions has 100 words. Suddenly, the email becomes a lot easier to write because I've got the, the framework, you know, I've got my edges. Um, alternatively, if they... Yeah, if I don't have a word count, I don't know how many questions to answer. I don't know what each word count would be for one of those questions. So it becomes just a bit more of a chore and it, it creates procrastination, quite frankly, because you don't want to do it because you don't know where to start. But when you go, okay, 500 words, we've got five questions. I know I'm going to use a headline formula in which one of those questions. I know that I'm going to use two call to actions. I know it's going to lead to this particular page on my website. Uh, you know, suddenly the, the project becomes a lot more accessible and doable and I'm, I'm more willing and able to get started because I know exactly what I need to do. So there you have it, a quick guide to creating an email so that when you sit down and you know that you want to connect with your readers but you haven't done it for a while, this is a way in which you can get started. Get on, you know, get on the horse and let that email rip so that you can just acknowledge that it may have not gone out for some time and you haven't been as as attentive as you wanted to be. But once that first email's gone, you rip that sort of band-aid off the wound and then you can continue to communicate with your readers in a respectful way. And when in doubt about what to write, just try and work out what their problems are and answer those questions. And then uh, give a little bit of yourself, you know, a bit of the brand story. It might be a case study of a client that you work with or a success story. And suddenly you'll find that the the information and the ideas start to flow. So I hope that's been helpful to you. So there you have it, a comprehensive guide to creating a successful email campaign from scratch. Now, if you'd like to make starting your copywriting career easier and getting that underway, you might like to consider joining Copy Club, Australia's most innovative and helpful copywriting community. We hold regular Ask Me Anything sessions. You'll get a comprehensive learning hub filled with dozens and dozens of training videos. You get opportunities to get feedback on your work and much more. So if you'd like to fast track your copywriting career, do check out copyclub.com.au. Now, here's my joke of the day because I know you're waiting for it. And I use the word joke quite loosely here, but here we go. I don't trust stairs. They're always up to something. And my quote of the day, especially for those who may be a bit older, maybe considering whether copywriting is for them, but have always wanted to, but never quite made the leap. Well, here's a quote for you. It's never too late to be what you might have been. And that's it for me. All the best and bye-bye. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Copywriter. You'll find the show notes at soyouwanttobeacopywriter.com.au or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writerscentercomau slash news, where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions, and much more. This podcast was brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre.